Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources. Marty Carpenter sitting in for Boyd Matheson. Glad you are along for the ride on this Friday afternoon ahead of a three-day weekend. Hope you're getting out of the office a little bit early, if that's permissible. And on to some holiday relaxation uh, as we uh, honor the uh, work of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, a lot of the news from the nation's capital over the past few days has been about the filibuster. And <laughs> people can fall on uh, a broad spectrum on where they are on the filibuster, and you generally like it if uh, it's protecting your interests and don't like it if it's slowing them down. And that can flip-flop depending on what type of legislation is being considered. President Biden wants to get rid of the filibuster to make it easier for legislation like the voting rights bill to pass. But not every Democrat is on board with this particular idea. So what exactly is the future of the filibuster? And while I continue to support these bills, I will not support separate actions that worsen the underlying disease of division infecting our country. The debate over the Senate 60 vote threshold shines a light on our broader challenges. There's no need for me to restate my longstanding support for the 60 vote threshold to pass legislation. There's no need for me to restate its role protecting our country from wild reversals in federal policy. It is a view I've held during my years serving in both the U.S. House and the Senate, and it is the view I continue to hold. That's Democratic Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema, who doubled down on her support for the filibuster yesterday on the Senate floor. She makes mention of the filibuster being a protection against wild reversals in federal policy. There are other countries that don't have this same type of protection in their government. You can look at the United Kingdom with their uh, their parliament <laughs> and in the House of Commons. If you are the party that wins and goes into power or has to sort of make a, a combined power with another party, uh, you basically can go put your agenda in place uh, with, with few limitations on that. And you're in office until someone decides, until enough voters decide they don't like your policies and they'll try another party. But the filibuster is sort of always protected against that here in the United States. Senator Cinema shared what she thinks will happen if the filibuster goes away. Eliminating the 60 vote threshold on a party line with the thinnest of possible majorities to pass these bills that I support will not guarantee that we prevent demagogues from winning office. Indeed, some who undermine the principles of democracy have already been elected. Rather, eliminating the 60 vote threshold will simply guarantee that we lose a critical tool that we need to safeguard our democracy from threats in the years to come. One of the biggest arguments for the 60 vote threshold is that you have to go win some votes from the other side. (laughs) You have to go be persuasive. You can't just sort of win enough elections and have it, though you could, you know, if you have more than the 60 vote threshold. But it's sort of in place to say, hey, we've got close to enough votes, but maybe we have to go convince a few people from the other side of the aisle 
that this is a good idea. And so those who would argue in favor of the filibuster would certainly point that out. Someone who has argued in favor of it is Utah's junior senator, Mitt Romney. A few days ago, Senator Romney laid out what the Senate may look like without a filibuster. Consider how different the Senate would be without the filibuster. Whenever one party replaced the other as majority, tax and spending parties would change. Safety net programs would change. National security policy could change. Cultural issues would careen from one extreme to the other, creating uncertainty and unpredictability for families, for employers, and for our friends abroad. The need to marshal 60 votes requires compromise and middle ground. It empowers the minority, and it's helped to keep us centered as a nation, fostering the stability and predictability that are essential for investments in people, in capital, and in the future. So it's really interesting because both parties, whether you're the party in power or the party not in power, and essentially right now it's a 50-50 tie with a deciding vote going to the Democrats because they can bring the vice president in there for any 50-50 tie. But whether you're in power or not in power, you have to think through what happens when you are not in power. <laughs> if, if you're in power, you have to think about, hey, what happens if we're not? And this is one of those where if you take the big step to eliminate the filibuster, you are, are essentially eliminating the ability for you to say that you should have that protection when you're in the minority. Now, the president obviously is trying to make the case that when it comes to specific legislation like the Voting Rights Act, which um, you know we won't have enough time to get into exactly what that entails, but essentially the, the fundamental argument he's making is that when it comes to establishing or protecting or whatever term you want to use, the right of people to vote, that that meets such a, that's so fundamental to our democracy that we need to set aside the filibuster to go enshrine those rights, protect those rights, enhance those rights. But that's something that, you know, he might, he might win some hearts and minds on that, but that doesn't mean that someone else isn't going to make as compelling of an argument about something else that they deem to be fundamental when they're in the majority and only have maybe one vote as a majority. If they're a 51-49 Senate, there are some things that that party could pass. So where are you? You know, do you, do you land on the side of the protections important and you should as elected officials, as senators in, you know, the upper chamber of our Congress have to go and make an argument and persuade someone to take your side of an argument? Is that maybe a little too Pollyanna-ish to think that in this day, in 2022, as divided as we seem to be on so many issues, that we could have someone cross the aisle and say, hey, I'm not with you on everything, but I actually agree with you on this particular issue. And does this issue rise to meet that? It's always dangerous to take those protections out of place because they're really more difficult to put in, put back in, in the same way where they can protect us when the landscape may shift. And having some protections in place from having these swings in policy, I think there's some merit to that for sure. But I can also see the argument that there are some things that are so important that we should be able to move forward with them when there is no way to break break a stalemate. It's a really complex issue, and I don't know that anyone should have to feel like that their position is so extreme or so far out there that they, they can't defend it one way or the other. But the protection's been in place. It's been generally the standard operating procedure of the Senate for so long that Boy, I, I just I, I probably would fall slightly on the side of measure 
twice, measure four times, <laughs> cut once, make sure that this is uh, really the right thing to do because I'm, I, I tend to think that you're better off to try to continue to make policy better until you have more buy-in from everybody involved. Uh, interesting to see how it all plays out as things move forward. We're short on time for the day, and I just wanted to take a minute to say my to express my thanks to uh, Boyd, to the team at KSL News Radio, uh, for inviting me to sit in with you all today. Uh, I I've said this uh, in previous instances when I've had this this privilege and this opportunity to be part of this. Um, I don't take it lightly uh, the opportunity to sit and and talk with all of you uh, for a couple hours in the afternoon. Uh, I I've been on shows with Doug Wright. I've been on shows with other hosts on KSL and what they do to help present important information and perspective to all of Utah is so important, and I'm glad to have been a part of it. So I hope you have a wonderful afternoon, a wonderful holiday weekend. Thanks for being with us today on Inside Sources. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.